0: Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined on the podcast by Fred Joy. He is the co-founder of Arcanus, which is a software development outsourcing firm based in Cebu. I've had Fred on the podcast uh, at least once, maybe a number of times now, so it's good to go back and listen to those earlier episodes The tables are actually turned. Fred is interviewing me today at the start of this episode. He has a podcast now, which is called Smarter Software Outsourcing Podcast. So I encourage you to go and check that out. I'll put the links for that in the show notes. Uh, And he started asking me a few questions. And then I uh, actually managed to ask him a few questions as well. Things that I was really eager to find out about About The uh, developers at the moment, they're really in high demand. So we uh, spoke about how to find and source good development talent. So hope you enjoy. And as always, if you're in any of the show notes, go to OutsourceAccelerator.com slash podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory we help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms, representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish inside Outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today.
1: So welcome to yet another episode of Smarter Software Outsourcing. And today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Derek Gallimore, who's the founder of Outsource Accelerator, the world's leading independent source of information and advisory for staff outsourcing to the Philippines. So, Derek, welcome to the show.
0: Fred, thank you so much.
1: And so, since it's always better to hear from our guests about their background, uh, maybe, Derek, you'd like to, to introduce yourself in a minute?
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, I run outsource accelerator as as you've just heard. We are uh, a a marketplace or a little bit like a trip advisor for the global outsourcing industry and really what I'm selling is uh, global employment.
1: Mm -hmm. Cool and and so today with Eric in this episode we're going to talk a bit uh, over a range of topics about the trends in the outsourcing industry since COVID because I think there has been a lot of Changes with with a lot of companies. I think embracing the uh, work from home setup and by by extension uh, remote work. Um, And so we'll dig uh, in more details about uh, also the software developers market in the Philippines in in the the second place. So maybe you could tell me a bit how COVID has initially impacted um, the outsourcing industry because you have this vision of. as as a marketplace to, to see kind of, I guess, what's happening, um, overall, right? Because a lot of people are coming through you and, and you see a lot of inquiries. Um, and, and so how did it change the, the industry at first? And then also over the last two years, how did it change how Outsource Accelerator is, is, um, is running business and, and how have you navigated through, through these changes?
0: Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, outsourcing, uh, it's all changed. I think how we work, I think how we, the future of work and, you know, how we conduct ourselves, what we consider sort of work and life and the balances Mm -hmm, all mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. had a dramatic change over the last two years. Um, Obviously, initially when COVID came out, I think there was this enormous sort of apprehension and everything went quiet. Everyone canceled their contracts and, you know, we're kind of thinking this was the end of the world. And then three months later when they realized actually, you know, we're still getting on with business and life, um, then it, it really strengthened the argument and awareness of offshore staffing, yep. you know, because everyone was very quickly forced to explore remote work, you know, what that meant mm-hmm. for them, how they integrate that into their company. Um, and, you know, then they realized that if you're going to go remote, you know, if all of your team are going to sit around a, in New York, then why can't you explore That's a global fair. remote workforce? You know, it, mm-hmm, it sort mm-hmm. of, um, it, it just opened up this huge opportunity. So, yeah.
1: So did you initially see like a huge dip uh, in the initial first three months where, as you said, everybody thought it would be the end of the world and then uh, the cancellations of, of contracts? And then did you immediately see like a rebound um, uh, in in demand because companies just really quickly realized that, I mean, things were going to continue and and they had a bit more visibility maybe for their own market because some markets were, I mean, affected really differently. Or did it take time for you to, I mean, for for companies to kind of start maybe reallocating budgets or what was the, what's, what's the feeling you got from, from, from that?
0: Yeah, look, outsourcing is a microcosm of of the economy. It actually represents Mm -hmm. every kind of role and sector in the economy. So, you know, if you were a travel agent or a cruise liner, um, then a lot of those accounts were shut down and they weren't coming back for the two Mm -hmm. years. Whereas if you were in e-commerce or, you know, online fitness, then they saw an absolute boom, Um, you know, uh, a Client of ours uh, manages uh, Zoom as a client, uh, and they, within the COVID period, built a huge customer service operation mm-hmm. in the Philippines mm-hmm. because, of course, they were one of the the winners of the COVID pandemic. Yep. So it really it really depends, but you know, I, I think it it showed people that there are global opportunities for employment as opposed to just thinking locally. Um, yeah. so I saw a lot of transfer or just a lot of people sort of, you know, and also what you effectively had was a recession, uh, or at least financial um, times for many companies and sourcing domestic option in those yeah. times, you know, one of the aspects of offshoring is, is that generally you can save what sort of 50 to 70% on your stock. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's a, a huge advantage for people to have a sort of forced introduction to remote work and yeah. and global employment
1: yeah yeah um, and did you so you mentioned that you had seen some differences uh, depending on the industry obviously um, but was it also the same per per country did you see different behaviors per country or was it like uh, the same industry in two different countries would kind of like react the same. Um,
0: yeah. You see a lot of very similar trends in all of the countries, you know, and I, I generally speak to the, what I refer to the high cost English speaking countries. Yes. They're really our target market. So yes. obviously North America and Australasia and Singapore and parts of Europe. Mm-hmm see very close trends. You know, even now, you see that they are all talking about the Great Resignation, um, labour shortages, soaring salaries and employment costs. Yeah. Uh, you know, so th- these trends seem to... We're, we're really one global economy now, mm-hmm. so I think that you start to see sort of transfer of trust. It's almost, you know, there's homogeneity yeah. within the global yeah. economy. Uh, and, yeah. and the biggest difference is, is the the type of sector, you know, for example, there are, which I'd love to ask you about a little bit later on, but I think there is now a global shortage of developers and Shopify developers and, you know, Mm e-commerce specialists, Mm -hmm. um, wherever you are in the world. And there's Mm -hmm. probably, you know, um, an oversupply of of other roles like uh, travel agents, for example.
1: Uh, That's right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And one question that comes to my mind is, because we're talking about crisis and um, uh, we we've seen for us uh, because we are so exposed to software development in the, in the first few weeks of the Ukraine crisis uh, we've seen a lot of companies, especially in Europe um, that were working with Ukraine. And uh, so again, it's the same thing, right? There's this crisis happening. It's kind of the end of the world for Ukraine. Um, and, And for a lot of companies that are depending on, on this workforce um, in Ukraine. So we got a lot more requests from companies with really urgent needs because basically their operations has been shut down and and so they have to keep on running and so they don't know what's happening to their devs. Some have maybe fled the country with their families. Some are being relocated by these, these companies but not everybody. Um, And some others just have to fight. Um, And so they have to stay and they just, I mean, they can't work, obviously. And of course, not talking about all the infrastructures that have been uh, destroyed. So as a a marketplace for various roles, right? Because you're not just doing software developers, you're doing uh, uh, marketing people, you're doing maybe accounting people, customer service, um, and so on. Uh, Have you also felt a... um, an effect of this of this crisis, or or was it more limited, or what what happened?
0: Yeah, we um, honestly we we haven't really seen a big move in the needle of uh, developers, for example. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would imagine there's a lot of clients that have had to sort of do a quick shift. Um, yeah. We haven't seen a huge move of the needle just because we we you know typically cover. Hundreds or dozens, certainly dozens, of different roles mm-hmm. uh, across dozens of different industries. Um, so, and also, you know, honestly, there are more specific sites that cater to um, developers only. So maybe a lot of them kind of go to those those sites. Yeah. But um, you know, generally, we have seen a sort of relentless kind of um, uh, pickup in in just inquiries generally.
1: Um, oh yeah. Okay. Um and one thing that um I wanted to 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 know as well is you as a business uh, uh auto accelerator uh, because there has been such a big shift in the behavior of of people with with covid right let's go back to covid um um how did your business change throughout um uh, this crisis what did you have you operated differently, and have you changed the way you maybe market things or you you, you service clients?
0: Look, uh, you know, we 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 have been. It sounds bad to say, but one of the beneficiaries of this yeah, of uh, crisis, um, we are enjoying an uptick in terms of the awareness of outsourcing so we're really just riding this wave you know we are always building the platform reinvesting in the platform um what i what i the big thing about this industry which is global employment is it's there's an education piece people yeah. need to be made aware that this is out there people need to be educated about how it works and then they need to be um made comfortable with the concept um and so that stays fairly it doesn't change that much until the market is mature, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think within about 20 years, everyone will understand exactly what global employment is. And then it's just a case of choosing who they want to partner with. Whereas at the moment there's more of a sort of, you know, awareness building and education, but I think more people are coming for that education. You know, more people are like, I've heard of this, I've never prioritized it, but because of Mm -hmm. the crisis, because of remote work, because of the great Mm -hmm. resignation and because of technology advancing, Mm -hmm. now I feel Mm -hmm. it is the right time for our business to learn more about this. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that's where we Mm -hmm. can hopefully support that uh, inquiry or transition.
1: So it kind of made this whole uh, education part also easier, right? Because people have been forced into it. And so there's this increase in interest and because they've experienced it themselves so they understand what's working what's not working and maybe it's even maybe easier to convince them so then it comes down to uh availability of the skills and probably the cost and uh so did it maybe shorten your uh your uh, the the time to 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 sign a deal Uh, like has it increased the velocity of, of of that
0: Yeah, I think so. I think part of the problem with offshoring is those that are in it, like yourself and I, Fred, we know that it is one of the most powerful business tools in the world, you know, to have a global uh, workforce. Whereas those that aren't using it and aren't aware, they see it more as a vitamin instead of a painkiller. Because it's like, it's it's a good to have, but when it's operational, they're like, you know, I won't do it this quarter or I'll do it next year or I'll look into it six months from now. Whereas I think the pandemic sort of got everyone like, oh, my God, we could be going to recession. Maybe I don't have any revenues. Maybe all of my staff won't come back. And so it's really forced them to do this thing that is almost, um, you know, it requires a bit of a lifestyle change. It's almost like, you know, starting that weight loss diet into it. It is so capable. It is so powerful. Yeah. And I think the um the the um COVID was a good catalyst for people yes. to prioritize this. Um mm-hmm. and you know instead of all too often it's an operational thing. They leave it to someone in operations and then it's um you know just deprioritized. And I think people are now luckily prioritizing it and then realizing how valuable it can be to the yeah. um, to their operations you know
1: right that what, that was a bit my next question to you is like uh, so the new normal uh for for the outsourcing industries is simply a an increased interest for companies that uh well have decided to outsource uh, uh during COVID because of this work from home or remote setup uh and maybe more companies around people who had not been uh like uh interested um by this even until now are doing more companies around them are doing the same thing and maybe talking about uh the benefits and maybe sometimes the the uh the failures of some companies to to outsource um but most i think most of the i think most of the collaborations are successful so then it's just like spreading the the word around um I guess, um, in in, yeah, and it's just accelerating. I think it's just moving gradually,
0: sort of five or 20 years, gradually moving from uh, global employment being Mm -hmm. this sort of outlier of just a crazy concept to it being normal, and then Mm -hmm. eventually it becomes the default. You know, I think yeah. eventually people will, it will become a default to, you know, say I want to, I don't know, um, a developer, um, show me all the developers globally. You know, why are we looking mm-hmm. at, show me all the developers within a five kilometer radius. I, I think yeah. that that is a crazy filter at the moment. Absolutely. It is, that is the normal filter, but eventually yeah. I think it'll be show me all of the best developers globally. And then you make a strategic decision based on the best caliber developers, the Mm -hmm. price, the quality, and Mm -hmm. things
1: like that. Mm -hmm. What's crazy to think is uh, because we are in this information technology, it becomes like this worldwide market, exactly. So people um, are not constrained by uh, uh, the distance. They may be a bit constrained by uh, the time zones sometimes and, of course, the language and the culture. But those are some are easy to over- overcome, and some are a bit harder. But if you look at the, the material economy, like the um, all the supply chain stuff, it's going in the exact uh, opposite direction. Uh, um, I mean, it's a bit off topic, but it's funny to see that two types of 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 industries uh, are going in a total opposite direction uh, in terms of international interna- internationalization. Um, uh, with with the crisis that uh, COVID has has brought, um, yeah, it's
0: it's funny that like I I'm I am of a view that we are heading to one single global economy, and I see that as definitely happening. I think within that you have you know you have things like wars break out, you have mm-hmm. uh, you know clashes with uh, um, Korea and um, you know China and. But eventually we are we are sort of becoming one. And I think there are there are trends of, you know, there's going to be skirmishes and fights and uh, just like Bitcoin price going up, it, it goes down, but eventually then it goes back up. And um, mm-hmm. I think that it is inevitable. You know, like we, there's a knee-jerk reaction saying that, oh my God, like America needs to be completely self-sustainable on yeah. energy and production and all of its staffing and stuff like that. But it, it, is not really a reality. And um, you just need sort of backup systems uh, as opposed to sort of being completely isolated I from any global yeah, economy. You know? yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's fascinating the way it's going to yeah. go.
1: Yeah. 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 And so um, do you have any, advice for companies that would be, you know, like, uh, looking at, at outsourcing, uh, right now, uh, navigating through these changes and the, all the questions they might have about, uh, oh yeah, availability of skills, um, a protection of the, um, negotiation of the contracts. I mean, anything you could tell them in a few sentences, um, um, yeah, to, to navigate this, uh, easier. And I think that's what Outsource Accelerator is trying to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, if you look at employment uh, and, you know, outsourcing is is in some respects completely different to employment, but also in other respects, it's just identical to employment in your yeah. own hometown. And employment, you can look at it as being enormously complex. You know, you you have sort of management fundamentals, you have all the law or the labor law all the you know, things that you need to be aware of and navigate. But also employment is, is very simple. It's, you know, you're building a relationship with someone to get work done. And outsourcing mm-hmm. is very much the same. There are details you need to know. You know, there's a lot of sort of cultural nuances of working efficiently with um, right. overseas teams. There is then the different sort of labor laws, jurisdictions, um, the ways of structuring a team properly, the intermediaries, you know, such as uh, Canis and the the industry generally. There's there's a huge amount of things to be aware of, um, but in its simplest form, it is really just employment. Um, yep. But it is it is so powerful. You will. There is a slightly you know, as you begin outsourcing, there is then a learning curve and. You know, allow yourself space for sort of six to twelve to eighteen months of really understanding how it works when you have a global yeah. team, a remote team working with Arcanus, working with Filipino teams, you know, things like that. Um, but it's it's just like understanding the nuances of business. Um, there are little, there are a lot of nuances to to understand. Um, yeah. But the, the key message is really just to to. Get started, you you really won't look back, and it is the single most powerful business tool. I I really believe so. Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. Absolutely. I want to
0: ask you some questions. though. sure.
1: Uh, uh, can we flip uh, okay. the
0: Can we put the table? Yeah,
1: sure, sure, sure.
0: So you are in a hot, hot industry right now. You are uh, connecting, you know, hungry businesses to developers and. Yeah. They must be the most in demand, you know, currency or profession in the world. And, you know, as you mentioned as well with the Ukraine conflict, um, mm-hmm. that's knocked out a sort of yeah. pretty kind of significant supply yes. of, of developers. Yes. Um, there is a finite pool of, of candidates. How do you, how do you, how do you find and ensure that you can source good candidates, good developers, uh, for clients?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, I think COVID has hasn't made our job a, a lot easier because there's a, I mean, huge competition for skills, um, but uh, and and so yeah, a lot of companies have been trying to outsource and looking for developers here and there. So Philippines is, I would say, is. Um, uh, is still a, a bit of a niche market, I think, when it comes to um, to outsourcing, which is a good thing for us because, of course, there is a competition um, also in the Philippines, but uh, probably less than in India or in in some other m- more mature um, uh, countries. So it leaves us room to find really good developers, and the the way we we make sure that we we find good developers, the one main thing is uh, that we have a lot. I mean, now we have like what, 250 employees, I think at Arcanis. So our main source of, of, of uh, candidates comes from our employees. Um, So of course we incentivize them to, 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 to send us uh, uh, resumes or talk to their friends. Um, But it's also for us very important that if someone is happy at Arcanis, then they're going to recommend their friends and, there's a bit of this trust that is built because you wouldn't bring someone in that you know is not good, right? So it kind of makes our job a bit easier to, to, uh, I guess, foster a good, a really good workplace that in turn would would uh, get people to to refer their friends to us, and that's the first step. I think is to have trusted people that 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 at least send send us their resume. The second part is that we've. Uh, built a team of uh, senior architects uh, from Europe that are the ones that set the standards of the people we want to let through the door. Um, and so we, we've, I mean, we've had to learn the, the hard way on on how to improve this. And now we could say that we're very happy with the, I mean, the the, the quality of the people that we that we accept in the company, which in turn. Um, I think, well, first delights our clients because they trust us when we bring someone, I mean, to to their team and and they're like, okay, they know what they're doing. Um, And um, and also has brought, I think, the reputation of Arcanis as a tough company to join, um, which makes it, It's tough to join, but once you're in there, um, you can work on interesting projects. So it's kind of like this virtuous circle because good developers allow us to place them on good and interesting projects of the latest technologies. And then, so they like their job. And then in turn, they would talk to their friends. um, And then, so the reputation of Arcanis being tough to get in, but really nice to, to work at has been something that we've slowly built over the the years and um and of course the last thing is to keep them being trained so we incentivize people to keep on on getting trained uh over time which makes them keep on improving uh even beyond what their their clients really would like them to um to do um got it yeah got
0: it and i have uh, a lot of, you know, I have a lot of conversations with a lot of uh, clients or people interested in outsourcing and something that is, is you know, there's a bit of ambiguity is the kind of co-parenting, who manages the quality of the mm-hmm. output of the staff. And I think mm-hmm. that that is most relevant in roles such as developers where, yeah. you know, often um the, the people overseeing those developers are non-technical. So it's very difficult to to sort of do a quality control. Yeah. How does it work at Arcanus in terms of quality control of the output of the, of the team?
1: So, um, so there are different ways of outsourcing uh, software development, right? And uh, there's like the way of just building a bunch of requirements and sending them out to, to a provider to build a, a product. Um, and, uh, there's building a team uh, for an ex- I mean to add developers to an existing team of, of one of our clients, and so we are in the second business, meaning that uh, the responsibility of the management in terms of the of the tasks and the uh, the workload of the developer um, is uh, on the client. So it's like they're it's as you said. It's just like employment, right? Instead of hiring someone in Sydney, then you hire someone in the Philippines, and you're saving uh, fifty-five to to. I mean, from from fifty to seventy percent of the cost, depending on 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 the the position. Um, so, as we grow these existing teams, then our developers are put um, uh, with technical people only i mean in most of the 90 percent or 99 of the uh, percent of the cases they are being managed by someone technical uh, because if you add layers of of um uh, non-technical people between technical people then it's not going to work right so that's that's one thing so our clients are mainly in charge of the day-to-day uh, code reviews and 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 uh setting the standards of what they want the developers to do but uh for us to make sure that our devs are you know uh, pro- providing what is required uh and that we we do our job we have two european uh, senior european architects that are looking after our developers uh they they do some coaching they do sometimes code reviews um they uh, they are in charge of their, what we call the weekend training, because as I mentioned earlier, our developers are incentivized to to do like three, four hours on weekends uh, of training. It's not mandatory, but of course it has a positive impact on, the, on their uh, compensation. And of course they're being paid to do that. So it's an additional source of revenue for them. Um, and so they are inside of the company, um, uh, like trying to, to keep them evolving in addition to what our clients are doing as well, because they are the closest to their own needs and they can give us the direction to which they want the developers to, um, I mean, look into.
0: Got it. Got it. That's fantastic. Yeah. You you uh, encourage them to do training on the weekend, yeah, compensate them for it.
1: Yeah, so because a, a developer who doesn't learn is a developer who's, who's getting bored and he's going to, to leave, right? And so that's part of... Um, what we try to do to to keep the the, the fire burning, if you want, and yeah. keep them on learning new things, It could uh, and that they could actually then use uh, uh, down the road, uh, right? And and I think uh, that's one of, uh, of the yeah of the items that we we try to push. Yeah,
0: that's great. And so one of the effects of this, you know, massive shortage of of developers, and there's just been a huge spike mm-hmm. in terms of. Mm-hmm salaries and demand for yeah. developers, anything in e-commerce, things like that, is that the salaries are going up. You know, again, this is a global phenomenon. What are you seeing in the Philippine market? Are, are salaries really kind of jumping?
1: Uh, well, yeah, th- so the, the rates go up, I think, by 10 to 20% per year, depending on the, on the scales of, of the developers. Um, but if you think in, in terms of percentage, it can appear... You know, pretty impressive. But if you look at real terms, uh, because the the starting range is a lot lower than the 15,000 US dollars that you would get in the US or even in Australia, then uh, the increase is not as much as it would be um, in um, in these countries, right? So, um, so in all in all, it's kind of manageable. Um, I would say, but the funny thing is, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I think the Philippines is slightly shielded from all this stuff for now, um, compared to, for example, uh, Vietnam or India. And I I can tell you this because in the last year or so, I've started receiving a lot of inquiries from Indian companies that are trying to outsource work to us because they can't find, uh, I don't know. I don't know if they cannot find the developers, or if the developers in India are becoming so expensive that their clients are telling them, "Look, you gotta find other ways to to cut the costs or something." So uh, that's why I'm saying I feel like the Philippines is still a bit shielded from that. But um, and so it's great for us, really, because uh, uh, I mean, in in the Philippines, we have the lowest cost of of outsourcing uh, uh, in Asia. And uh, if we compare it to prices in, in even in Eastern Europe, we're like thirty, thirty, forty percent cheaper than uh, than uh, we were compared to Ukraine or Poland or or countries like that. So um, mm-hmm. I think we still have a few, I mean, a few good years uh, ahead of us.
0: Um, yeah. Do you see a sort of short or medium term where these? certain very specialized roles that are in short supply it could almost become a sort of global rate mm-hmm. do you think that the the yeah. sort of arbitrage could disappear you know would it take 10 years or 50 years kind of thing
1: well you know when i started arcanis i'm like uh oh, we have a good 15 years to go and maybe after that the prices will catch up but it hasn't it's gone even crazier uh in the us and in Australia. Uh, COVID has accelerated all of that, right? I mean, like the border closures have made the prices go even crazier. In So I think everything's going to go up. But as I mentioned, I think it won't go as, as fast in the Philippines um, or or some other uh, lower wage countries as it has been in going in the West. So it gives us maybe another 20 years to go or maybe more, I don't know. Um, um, but... Uh, the worries yeah. that I had 15 years ago have not materialized. Um, so we have many years to... to, to it to is interesting, going. isn't it? You know, both <laughs> you
0: and I are based in the Philippines and we tend to see it from a Philippine perspective. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. the Philippine salaries are going up so high. But then, you you know, you forget that also yeah are increasing globally at such yeah. a rate. Um, and yeah. obviously the nominal amount in the U.S., you know, if something goes up 10% in the U.S., then that almost covers the entire philippine absolutely. salary for example absolutely so it, uh, yeah
1: so yeah. that's why if you put things uh, in nominal terms then uh we, i mean and then we'll see what happens also with inflation right because again the same thing is like uh it's a percentage basis and uh if it's seven percent in the u.s and seven percent in uh in, in the philippines something that costs a hundred dollars in the u.s is going to cost 107 and then in the Philippines is 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 gonna cost uh just close short to to eleven dollars uh if the prices are uh, it's not a matter I mean tenfold mm-hmm. but uh, you see the so um yeah um we don't see this as a major um major risk at the moment um uh, yeah.
0: And there's a huge, you know, there is a huge supply of people in the Philippines, isn't it? You know, it's a very young population, yeah, Yeah. much younger than a lot of the developed countries. And so all of this population is coming through the sort of education cycle. And Mm -hmm. now there's so much education available online, especially for those that are inclined to be developers. Uh, So it's a huge potential pool.
1: Yes, but we've seen that it has pushed us to start training more, uh, more like, I would say, junior to mid-level developers um, and, and and train more people because some of the skills that uh, people are looking for in these, I would say, in Australia, uh, more advanced economies don't always match with the, with the supply, so then we have to do a bit of retraining. But if you get a good developer in three months, they know how to handle a new uh, framework or a new language uh, fairly easily. But it's just a bit more of an investment on our side, but it's absolutely worth it. Um, because our clients don't find them in their own market. So we gotta, we got to create some of them uh, here.
0: Got it. And I have one last question then, Fred. So sure. you know, I, I see I'm, I'm relatively a layman in terms of uh, technical work, but I see a lot of technical work as project work. You know, the, the two yeah. almost seem synonymous. People yeah. want the project to build an app or build a mm-hmm. site or, mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. build this integration. A lot of that mm-hmm. is project Versus mm-hmm. long-term, ongoing development work mm-hmm. that is, you know, ongoing, and the difference there is, you know, one is maybe like an agency that does a project versus a yes. department of people that are working full time,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: to interact. I suppose, you know, uh, yeah, where's where's the difference is there?
1: Yeah. So. Well, it's I think it's two different things, and it's two different kinds of businesses that are working on 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 each uh, type of of project. So you have like, as you mentioned, you have these short uh, uh, projects where someone wants just to build an app or uh, do a website or something like that. And so these projects are really well defined, um, and they are I think pretty high risk if they're not well defined. So it takes a lot of preparation work to to get them done and. Uh, requires, I think, a lot of different skills. Um, if you because if you make it in a project, you need a designer. You need uh, um, uh, maybe someone who's doing the, the branding part, and and so it, it, it involves a lot of different skills. And for this, you have like web agencies that are great at that because they're really specialized in in building these products. On the other side, um, you have bigger projects where companies are actually building the technology they are running on. Uh, Meaning like it's more like B2B platforms. It could be financial, it could be healthcare, it could be uh, whatnot. I mean, whatever industry it is, but it's like the the software as a service that is the backbone of the company. And in these cases, it requires a lot of um, uh, understanding of the product, uh, maybe some industry knowledge that, that is built over time by the developers, but that is is transferred from from the the business side of of the business. And so for these projects, then these are projects that never really end. Uh, So, yes, they are built by modules, but it's one core system that is just expanding. And so in this case, what we've seen works best, and that's really what we do, is... We expand the, we extend these teams as the needs grow, as the client base grows, as um, uh, their needs simply grow. Um, and so these are the projects that work best with a, a, a dedicated team mindset. And that's probably where the savings are the biggest, right? Because if you have one developer at $150,000 in Australia or in the US, uh, over 10 years, just thinking 10 years then and then you have a developer in the philippines at fifty thousand dollars um all included because the 150 doesn't count the office and everything uh right Mm -hmm. then you're saving fifty thousand a hundred thousand dollars a year um more or less uh over 10 years for one guy so that's like a million bucks um and so those yeah. are where the real savings are, because it's this recurring um, cost. Um, and there's no reason why a guy in in the Philippines wouldn't perform as well as someone in um, in in Australia, right? And even if you mm-hmm. say, okay, the Philippines developer is twenty percent less effective, you still have like you still save eight hundred thousand dollars over ten years uh, per person. So it's. That's, I mean, those are the differences uh, financially, uh, um, but also in the mindset of, okay, what needs to be done? How is it defined? And how is, what type of project is is, is working better for what type of engagement?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hope this yeah it's huge, isn't it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we, we get a lot of clients coming over and, you know, well, I mean, you know, the, the cliche is that when you offshore, you have a virtual assistant, you know, mm-hmm. and then... It's okay. a case of do you pay $2 an hour or $3 an hour? And I'm always trying to sort of coach clients to, you know, if, if you're down in that bottom end of the market, you're maybe going to save ten grand a year, mm-hmm. you know, and you've got a very average employee. Whereas, you know, shoot for the top of the market, get an MBA, get a Harvard grad, get, yeah, you know, exactly. the top-line developers. And you're getting world-class staff, and you're saving then hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. You know, it's it's sort of uh, the nominal again. Coming back to the actual nominal amount, the nominal value is just phenomenal. Um, yeah, it's And my also, law. then you don't have those same issues of battling with a two dollar VA because they don't quite get it. You know, it's yeah. um, this mm-hmm. huge value in the in the top aspect of the market.
1: You know? Yeah. Yeah, but we so we've talked a lot about the cost, but I think uh, well, that's one aspect, obviously, uh, and that's a very important one. But I think also it's also because of the the pool of people, be it developers or uh, uh, customer service people or outbound sales or whoever, um, is the flexibility you get, and uh, if you get the right partner to to that has access to this market, then it saves you it saves you the time of your recruitment, uh, it saves time from your. Uh, in my case, it, t- it saves a lot of time from the maybe the marketing uh, team to market the job ad, uh, and it saves a lot of time to go through hundreds of resumes that are being sent because you post an ad. Um, it saves a lot of time from the in the production uh, and from the senior developers to actually not interview a hundred candidates to just hire one that then you still need to go haggle with in terms of the salary because you don't know if this guy is going to accept your offer. Like, and so if you compound all these things, um, the cost savings are completely immense, but nobody's seeing that this way because nobody really, everybody's just caught up in their stuff, right? But we take a step back and we like, how can we communicate to, yeah. to what people that come to us uh, when they start discussing, they're paying 100, 150000 for someone and then they some of them would want to discuss for 500 bucks on, on the price of, of, of someone and we're like, oh, that's not the right way to look at it. Um,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, it's true,
0: isn't it? You know, yeah. because uh, the the price that we talk about is an all-in price, including all of the administration, uh, all of yeah. the legal liability of employment, everything, all of the facilities, all of the hardware, everything. And, you know, when you when the client compares that to a uh, one hundred twenty thousand dollars salary in the U.S., then that is just you know they're comparing those two numbers. But actually, the one hundred twenty thousand is probably probably works out to quarter of a million dollars a year once you add in all of the insurances and the, yeah. the legal exposure and yeah. the you know the HR and mm-hmm. the office and things mm-hmm. like that. It's mm-hmm. it's enormous, isn't it? Um, yeah. And as you said, yeah. it's, it's just sort of comparing apples for apples, but uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: Fantastic. Thank you for it. Cool. Really, yeah. Really yeah. Interesting yeah.
1: yeah. It's been great to, to, to see you again. Uh, Derek, it's been a while and um, it's also been great to have you on the show uh, today. So thanks a lot. And so um, I have one last question for you is if our listeners wanted to, you know, more about uh, you or outsource accelerator. So, where could they find you and how could they get in touch with you?
0: Yeah. Well, just uh, the website um, is great outsource Uh and they can reach out to me on LinkedIn or just Google me. Um, no problem. And I'm also coming out with a book, Fred, a book called oh. inside outsourcing. So nice. um, if okay. people just, just visit the website and we should, we should have information about that when it comes out. But I'm really excited about that. Hopefully, you uh, you know, Creating the first kind of comprehensive book on 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 outsourcing, uh, certainly for the last twenty or thirty years. So,
1: so can you just give us a, 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 um, I mean, a, one more, one or two more sentences without saying too much? Or,
0: yeah, well, I mean, it's just, um, yeah, thanks. I mean, it's just, look, this has been about a three year work in progress, uh, and now we're going to release this in about a month. So, um, it's really uh, introducing okay. the concept of of what outsourcing is, what global employment is where the trajectory is, I believe, for the future of employment. Uh, And then it sort of zooms in on the outsourcing industry specifically, you know, how you can uh, choose and select uh, partners to work with, where the value is within the outsourcing relationship. And then it zooms in even further and uh, gives actionable kind of advice in terms of how to build and run uh, offshore teams. So. Yeah, oh, awesome. yeah, I'm Okay, I'll that's exciting. So, put me, put me in
1: the list. Uh, for sure. Uh, okay, okay, cool. Excellent. For sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks. Thanks, Derek. And um I really hope to have you in another episode really soon.
0: Yeah, no, I'd love to come back. Love to. This is my favorite topic right now, Fred. So, always keen for another conversation. Okay,
1: great. Yeah, thank you.
0: That was Fred Joy. He is the co-founder of Arcanus. And as always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, then just drop us an email to ask
1: at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.